Okay, so just to find out, how many of you have received a at least eight Christmas cards already this year? You've already received? I mean, you've received several so far, right? Christmas cards are coming. Listen, if you have received any Christmas cards or uh, will, this most likely uh, be on at least one of them. Uh, I've got to tell you, it's my favorite passage to see on a Christmas card. I'm guessing you know these words, are familiar with them. So let's, let's read these together from Isaiah chapter 9. All right, you ready? For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. By the way, that is one of my favorite new Christmas songs uh, that we're singing this year. I hope that that's been helpful to you as well. But it's interesting that the prophet Isaiah uh, writes this, what we would consider a Christmas passage, 700 years before the very first Christmas. And we call it a messianic prophecy. So this is a messianic prophecy. We call it that because it describes, it talks about the Messiah who was to come, the Son of God, which is significant because uh, messianic prophecy provides for us some of the strongest certification, verification that Jesus is actually who he claimed to be. So, hey, listen, if this is your first Sunday with us, my name is Mike and I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. And by the way, if this is your first Sunday or if you haven't yet received one, we have a gift for you uh, out in the lobby. So if you would go to our info corner or if, if this is someone you've brought a friend with you, this is our first Sunday, please take them out to the info corner, not right now, but in a little bit uh, and, and get that gift. That's just our way of saying thank you for worshiping with us. And we hope that what we do here as we gather together as a church is helpful to you, your faith walk. And uh, if you're watching us online, thank you for joining us there as well. And, uh, and I, if your schedule allows, we'd love to have you join us here in this room on a Sunday. But if not, and Christmas Eve opened up for you, opens up for you, we'd love to have you join us uh, for one of our Christmas Eve services this year. Because it's important. Listen, we come to celebrate the birth of Jesus, not just because it happened, but because of who Jesus is in our lives, right? the people he is helping us to become. So if that would be helpful to you, I hope that you'll join us here uh, as well. So over the next four weeks, we are going to look at the names that we just read, that Isaiah tells us uh, about who the Messiah, who Jesus came to be and what they mean in general. But most specifically, what, that, what does that mean to us today? How does that apply to us? And so this week, we're going to start with the very first one, Wonderful Counselor. And the reality is all of us need a counselor at one time or another. The advice, at, at a minimum, the advice of friends or family. And we all know that counseling is at an all-time high in our society. Dr. Phil is still having at it on TV, right? Dave Ramsey will counsel you with your finances. Beth Moore, Shauna Nyquist, uh, Oprah Winfrey. Or sometimes, depending on what kind of advice you want, you might see, you know, this guy. Hey, yesterday we were in the parade, the holiday parade, and we won, MCC won the Media Choice Award yesterday for our float. You know it. Number one on the charts, number one in our hearts, right? Oh, by the way, that reminds me, guess who I ran into yesterday at the holiday parade? And so if you were watching the game last night and thought at halftime, it's going to take a Christmas miracle 
This explains it right here, I think. Uh, and I don't think it's any coincidence that his suit is scarlet. So, at any rate, listen, people uh, today are looking for advice. And there's certainly nothing wrong with seeking advice, counseling in general, especially when you have a, a need. Uh, in fact, the Bible places this high premium on, premium on counsel. Solomon, who was the wisest king Israel ever had, would say this, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. He would also say, in chapter 11, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. Now, the Hebrew word that we translate in Isaiah 9, 6 as wonderful literally translates as beyond understanding, something indescribably great, that which is so tremendous and so amazing that it's literally beyond all description. Some translate those words as miraculously marvelous. That's what we're looking for in someone to advise us, right? And whether we're willing to admit it or not, we all want godly counsel and advice. And that's what the Messiah, we know him on this side of the New Testament as Jesus. That's what Jesus came to do. And so it seems appropriate, especially at this time of year, to talk about this because we all know people who right now are struggling with stress, right? In December, they're struggling with stress in December. We know, we know people, we have friends. Maybe it's pe those of us in this room. Some of us in this room are struggling with broken relationships. Some of us are struggling with unbearable pressure. Some of us are struggling with grief. Last night, I was with a family, one of our families, who lost their son. And I'm telling you, it's going to make this, it'll make Christmas, it'll make the, it will make life different moving forward. None of these things. None of these things we're talking about, they're not respecters of persons. And I've mentioned before that Christmas is the great exaggerator when it comes to emotions. So if you are a person who is typically happy most of the year, at Christmas, it turns it up a notch or two and you drive everyone around you crazy, right? But we know also if you're normally a little bit down. Listen, Christmas can just be devastating. It like turns the volume up on that. And you know people during the holiday season who will turn to alcohol as a coping mechanism or they'll turn to food as a coping mechanism or busyness as a coping mechanism. And the problem is they only, these things help us forget temporarily what's going on around us, but we know that none of them help us deal with life in the long term. So I wonder if you have friends who don't need to know what, it, what makes Jesus such a wonderful counselor. And I also wonder if your friends don't need someone just like you, that maybe you're in their life placed there by God to help them understand who he can be in their life. So listen, when we talk about wonderful counselor, there's some things that we're looking for. We're just going to walk right through them. We'll just kind of shoot through them a little quickly. But I want you to note on your notes, if you have your handout or if you've got uh, the app open, the Bible app open, being a wonderful counselor reminds me that Jesus knows and loves me enough. Listen, all of these things are because Jesus knows and loves me enough to know that deep down I need and I want someone who will listen to me. It's the beauty of the Messiah being a wonderful counselor. And some of us know, listen, we struggle when it comes to listening Tracy Craft uh, Tharp said she was paying for her doctor's visit when she noticed blood was dripping down her leg. The Band-Aid, which had been applied during the procedure she just had, had come loose. And so she told the receptionist, I I'm bleeding all over your floor. 
caught her, caught the reception off guard. She looked up and she said, hey, thanks for letting me know. I'll call housekeeping, right? I mean, you know, she, she heard. I don't know that she was listening. Uh, and so the question is, how good of a listener are you? A listening ear enables you to advise others. And I can't help but think that Jesus had to be a great listener. I mean, when you read through the Gospels, the story of his life, his listening skills when he spoke to the woman at the well, when he talked to Nicodemus, the religious leader at night who just couldn't seem to put the puzzle, pieces of the puzzle together, when the centurion who was worried about his servant being sick and Jesus was listening, to, when he forgave the woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. And the list of people that Jesus listened to throughout his ministry here on earth just goes on and on. You know, one of the verses that I have been praying for our church for the last several months now is from 1 John. I write these things to you. So I, when I pray for our congregation, when I'm praying for you, this is one of the things I'm praying. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, read this out loud. If we ask anything according to his will, what? He hears. he hears us. He hears us. Isn't that what you want? Someone who actually, genuinely leans in and listens to you. But that's not all. Being a wonderful counselor reminds me that Jesus knows and loves me enough. He knows me enough. He loves me enough to know that deep down I need and want someone who understands my struggles. Listen, I need someone who knows what I'm going through. 700 years before he was born, again, we're looking at the words of Isaiah the prophet, right? Uh, and so he says this as well. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. Adam shared this with us last week. Will give birth to a son and you will call him... Emmanuel, Emmanuel translated means God with us, not just God created us, not just God watching over us, not just God listening to our prayers, but God with us, God where we are, God walking our streets and breathing our air and taking on our flesh, right? That's what that means. But the question is, what's the big deal about that? What makes that significant to us, you know, about God walking our earth and being with us and about God's son stepping into our world? I was reminded recently of Hebrews chapter 4, where we're told this, the author is talking about Jesus, and he says, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. And I share that with you because I want to make sure you understand that you hear, he gets you. Jesus, he understands you. He, he can relate to what you're going through because when he was tired, you know what? He stopped and rested. When he was hungry, he got something to eat. When he was thirsty, he got something to drink. Do you like Christmas parties? Jesus loved parties. He talked about parties. He loved spending time with your friends. Man, he went fishing with his friends. They would sit around and tell stories. I think they probably stayed up late at night around a campfire talking. I believe he loved to laugh. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. Think there was ever a day that Jesus was just overtaxed with people's demands and wanted to be alone? We know there were. We read that there were. Listen, as a baby in Bethlehem, he cried. 
As a young man, many scholars speculate that Joseph, his father, we don't read about him later in Jesus' life. They speculate he died when, when Jesus was in his teen years, which means he understands what it's like to lose someone. As a man, he knew what it was like to be cheated and disappointed and hurt by his best friends. There is no human emotion or experience that Jesus cannot relate to. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but when, when I'm going through something difficult and someone says, I know exactly how you feel. Do you ever think to yourself, you, you can't possibly know how I feel. You've not been through this. Huh? And it comes off kind of fake and phony. But with Jesus, when he says, I know how you feel, he knows how you feel. He, he gets that. He understands us. He knows exactly what you're going through. And so when you are in need of counsel and you go to him, he knows your situation and he knows your heart and he knows your mind. And he's experienced all of the joys and the sorrows. He's experienced all the hopes and the, the hurts that you and I have. He, under, he, not just, he doesn't just listen, but he actually understands us. Look at this too. Being a wonderful counselor reminds me that Jesus knows and loves me enough to know that deep down I need and want someone who actually cares for me as well. Some counselors care for you as long as you can pay the bill, but not Jesus. He cares about you as a person. He cares about your character. He cares about your spiritual growth and emotional welfare. He cares about the pain that you suffer. He considers you of great value and worth, which is why when Peter's writing at the end of the New Testament in one of his letters, he writes, cast all of your anxiety, all of your cares on him because he cares for you. Listen, he's not going to leave you to fend for yourself. And maybe you've heard this before. Let's see if you can finish this sentence. God helps those who helps themselves. Can I just say, not in the Bible. That, that's, no, that's not a Bible verse. We say it like it is, but it's not. It's not a Bible verse. As a matter of fact, the truth of the matter is when you have reached the bottom, when you're at the end of your rope, God helps those who can't help themselves. When you see no way out, God steps in. If you invite him in, God steps right in, and he's right there with you. Here's another one on your notes. Being a wonderful counselor reminds me that Jesus knows and loves me enough to know that deep down what I need and what I want is someone who's going to tell me the truth. Because they can listen and they can care and they can understand, but I, I need them to tell me the truth. You don't need a counselor who's going to tell you what you want to hear. I mean, sometimes that's what we kind of hope for, but it's not what we need. We need a counselor who will tell us the truth. And I think it's significant that when Jesus is describing himself to his followers in John chapter 14, he tells them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're going to get to the Father, it's going to be through me. But I'm telling you right now, not, I am the truth. All truth belongs to Jesus. Now, here's the downside of that. We don't always know the truth. And truth be told, sometimes we don't want to know the truth, Right? Read about a middle-aged school teacher who had invested her life savings in a business enterprise with a guy who ended up swindling her out of all of her money. And when the investment disappeared and the dream was shattered, she ended up going to the Better Business Bureau to find out what was going on. And they said, why on earth didn't you come to us first? Did you not know that we existed for this very reason? And she sheepishly said, yeah, I, 
I knew that. I've always known about you. But I didn't come to see you first because I was afraid you'd tell me not to do it. And the same is true of us sometimes when it comes to spiritual advice. Listen, aren't there times that you don't seek godly counsel because quite frankly, you're afraid of what you'll hear? And if we can be honest, and since we're in church, why not, right? We don't wanna do what we know we're gonna be told. That's why you need truth tellers in your life. Again, back to King Solomon in the book of Proverbs, wounds from a friend can be trusted. I heard that somebody said, friends stab you in the front, not in the back. They stab you in the front because wounds from a friend can be trusted. Listen, isn't it better to be told the truth, the whole truth up front, even if it hurts temporarily? Because in the long run, that pain will hopefully bring healing. That's what it's designed for when someone cares about you and loves you the way Jesus does. All right, on your notes, being a wonderful counselor reminds me that Jesus knows me and loves me enough to know that deep down, what I really need, what I really want is someone who has my best interests in mind. So let me tell you what this means. If the church is to become the hands and feet of Jesus, we have to create environments where people can take their masks off and can be completely honest about where they are in their life and in their walk with Jesus, or if they're not walking with Jesus at all. I love that every Saturday morning we have in our building just upstairs the largest AA meeting south of Dayton. I was checking with someone just recently to make sure that is still true, that this is the largest meeting. It is still every, I love that we help people who are struggling with that addiction. I I love that Weight Watchers meets at the other end of the building. I love that Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers, meets upstairs once a month. I love that our small groups help create an environment where people can get to really know who you are. I love that we do Financial Peace University a couple times a year because when people become honest with their finances, which is one of the biggest stressors in our lives, it's one of the biggest stressors in marriages. And for everyone in this room, your finances have the ability to put a choke hold on you, especially at this time of the year. I love that we talk about that in Financial Peace University and talk about how to make our lives better in that area, even though sometimes it's hard to hear. And I know it's hard because we feel safe hiding where we've been and who we really are, which is why I think that's part of the reason that Jesus would tell people when he was talking about why he came, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. Do you know why that verse is so important to me? (laughs) It's because I'm sick. I struggle with sin. That's something I struggle with all the time. And God knows who I really am, and he has my best interest in mind. And maybe, maybe it would be fair to say that you're sick too because you also struggle with sin. And maybe it's fair to say that you need a doctor who will shoot straight with you and who has your best interest in mind. Because what Jesus tells me to do may not be what I always want to hear, but what I can trust is that it's always what's best for me. He always has my best interest in mind. Let me give you this one too. 
being a wonderful counselor reminds me that God or that Jesus knows me and loves me enough to know that deep down what I really want, what I really need is someone who will point me down the right path because if a counselor just listens to you, even understands your struggles and cares for you and speaks the truth and has your best interests in mind, if that's where they stop, they've not really been any help to you other than they've listened to you. You need clear direction in life. So Proverbs 3 reminds us of this. These words will probably sound vaguely familiar. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Counselors want to help you make a positive change in your life. They realize they can't make those changes for you, which by the way, may be something that's frustrated you. It's frustrated me from time to time. Someone comes for advice. I, I give them the advice because maybe I've experienced this, so I know what they need to do, but I can't do it for them. And you can't do it for them. I can only do it for myself. You can only do it for yourself. But we can give people the tools they need and point them in the right direction. And if they choose to get better, they can move that direction. In his book, The Dance of Hope, uh, Bill Fry tells of a blind student that he had at the University of Colorado. It was back in 1951. The student's name was John. And one day, Bill asked uh, the student uh, how he had become blind. And he told about an accident that happened when he was a teenager. And the tragedy, he said, the tragedy not only took my sight, it took my hope. And I've got to tell you, I was bitter. I was angry with God for letting it happen. And I took my anger out on anyone and everyone around me. I felt that since I had, didn't have a future, I wasn't going to lift a finger to help anybody uh, uh, on my, my own behalf. I was going to let other people wait on me. I shut my bedroom door and I refused to come out at any time except for meals. And this story surprised Bill because that wasn't the student that he knew. So something had changed because John wasn't a bitter person. He wasn't an angry person. John said he traced it to a challenge from his father. His dad got tired of the pity party that he was having, so, and he wanted his son to get on with life. And so one day he reminded him, reminded John of the impending winter weather that was coming in Colorado. And he said, I want you to mount the storm windows. And I want you to have it done before I get home from work. And then he slammed the door as he left. And as John said, I was so mad at that moment. I was so mad at my dad. I muttered and cursed all the way out to the garage. And I muttered and cursed as I found the windows. And I muttered and cursed as I found the stepladder. And then I got the tools that I needed. And I went to work because I'd done this before. So I kind of knew what I needed to do. And he said, in my mind, I said, oh, they'll be sorry. They will be sorry when I fall off this ladder and I break my neck. But he didn't fall. And little by little, he groped his way around the house and finished the job. And he said he reluctantly realized he could still work and begin to reconstruct his life, which was, of course, his dad's plan all along. He said, but years later, I learned something else about that day, not, a, not about myself, but about my dad. And Bill said when John was telling him this, his blind eyes began to get a little moist. He said, I later discovered that at no time during that day had my dad ever been more than four or five feet from my side. 
don't know if you remember Larry King. Back in 2010, Larry King, who was Jewish, was being interviewed on his own talk show by Bryant Gumbel. It was his 25th anniversary, and Gumbel said, if you could ask God anything, what would you ask him? And Larry King said, I would ask him, did you really have a son? Because if you did, it would change everything. Do you know why it would change everything? Because it would prove that God was never more than four or five feet ever from your side, no matter what you're going through. He's never further than that away from you. And so the question becomes, what do you do with that? What do you do with all of this information? Because at the moment, it's just information. There's nothing to do with it yet. But what is your next step in your journey of faith when it comes to this area of counsel? If you are stuck in a dark place, or if you have a friend or family member, somebody that you care about who is stuck in a dark place, what do you do with this type of information? Let me give you three steps. Here's the first one. Take the risk of being brutally honest with Jesus. And it's a risk. And it's a risk, and, and it's... And it's hard because it's easier to hide, right? It's easier because your mask is already in place. You've already grown accustomed to hiding who you are and where you've been. And all that changes, right, that Jesus hopes for us and our family wants for us and the changes that can happen in our life, the changes that can happen in the lives of our family starts with being brutally honest and maybe like me, you are sick and you struggle with sin. Some of us today will summon our courage and be brutally honest for the first time in a long time about our marriage. And that it is not where we want it to be. And that honesty is going to lead you to actually be part of the prayer you've kind of been praying or not praying to Jesus for your own marriage. Some of us today are going to swallow our pride to admit that we're hooked on something that it has us and we cannot beat it on our own we need help and maybe to be brutally honest some of us are going to have to admit to jesus that we're disappointed with him because we asked him for something and it wasn't a selfish thing it was something we need something's happened in our life and we need him to come through in this way and he didn't answer the prayer the way we think that he should have answered it and now we are just mad at him and my guess is from experience that if you'll be brutally honest with god you quite likely will be led to someone who will help you work through that and while we're talking about brutal honesty some of us, if we're going to be brutally honest with God, will have to admit we've never made a commitment to follow him. I mean, we made a commitment to come to church. We made a commitment that we own a Bible. And, and maybe we enjoy some of the songs and the coffee's not that bad and the hot chocolate's pretty decent. And, you know, there's a kind of a cool gift for a first-time guest. But that's really kind of it for us if we're going to be brutally honest with ourselves. Last week, we had two people commit their lives to Jesus through their baptism. And you've never done that. At least be honest about it. Or maybe for some of us here, we have to admit to God that we've only been going to church, not really following him. We did make that commitment. We kind of backed away from it because we like going to church. It's okay. But following him on a day-to-day -day basis isn't anything that we're really doing. But to get to that, you have to be brutally honest about things. Here's the second step. Make the effort to learn to listen to the counselor's voice. 
If you want to be able to get help, you have to be able to actually hear what the counselor is saying. That's why Jesus would say to us, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me, but they listen to my voice. That's how they know how to follow me. And there are ways that God speaks to us. There's all kinds of ways he speaks to us even today, but his primary way is his word. And that's why this year, I just want to encourage you. And I mentioned this in my email that goes out on Fridays, but if you want to get a jump on a reading plan for Christmas, can I encourage you, please? Marion Bright is a seven day reading. It's just a seven day program. You, you read scripture and a devotion, seven days. It's just seven and then you can be done if that's what you want to be. There's another one called uh, 10 Days of Christmas truths to live year, all year round. And so it's a 10-day reading program. If you want something a little more than seven days, here's one that's 10 days, or you can do one right after the other if you'd like to do that. The third is really not even a Christmas plan, so there's no, we don't have an image for it. And some of us are already doing it. It's actually just reading the Gospel of Luke. So if you go to the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, there are 24 chapters. If you begin reading the Gospel of Luke today, if you start reading today, one chapter a day, you will finish by the end of the year. So by the time we get to December 31st, you're done reading, right? Some of us began reading last week so that by the time we get to Christmas Eve, we have read. And if you want to join us, all you have to do this week is read two chapters a day, and the next week you're back to one chapter a day. And the whole point of that is, as we get ready to celebrate that Jesus came, we just finished reading why he came and what that looked like, and what that means to us. But God speaks to us through his word. Can I encourage you? There should be links in the notes. Please join us in reading his word. Listen, he also speaks to you, surprisingly, through the person who's sitting right next to you. Sometimes through circumstances. Sometimes through Christian songs. There are a number of ways to hear God speaking to us because he speaks to you, through you, to the person sitting next to you as well. I just want to be clear about that. If you will train yourself to listen to him, you will hear his voice. Here's the last step. Make a decision to obey what the counselor tells you to do. Don't just listen. Do something about it. Solomon said in Proverbs 15, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. Don't just listen. Don't just read the Bible. Do what God is saying to you through his word, through a godly counselor. When you hear the word of God, whether it's sung or spoken or lived out in front of you, do it. Do what he says. In a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing these words. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, what striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. I just want to say what we're talking about, what Jesus came to be, who he came to be in your life. what he wants if you will invite him into your life let's go to him in prayer father thank you that that as we celebrate uh jesus's birth 
that we get to be reminded not just that he came, but who he came to be in our lives. That's not just this great story about a baby and a manger, but he came to save us from the sin that we struggle with. He came to save us from that. He came to be a doctor for us because we're, we're sick. We fight this illness. We have struggles every day. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. But we, we want to overcome the sin in our lives. And we know that's possible through Jesus, whose birth we celebrate. But his birth means nothing without his death and burial and resurrection. And so, God, thank you for the price that he paid. Jesus, thank you for making yourself a sacrifice, for leaving heaven. And, and those that adore you in heaven, who worship you in heaven, you left that place to come here that you might be like us and then die for us. And so as we sing this song, as we think through what it means to have you as a counselor in our life, Father, I pray that you will stir our hearts, that we would have a brutally honest conversation that we might walk with you. And we pray this through your son, Jesus. Amen.